Do like a welcome to the Grid City podcast? Sure, like, I don't care. All right, welcome. <laughs> That's so cheesy. Okay, welcome to the Grit City podcast. Uh, yep, was that exciting? That's about yeah. today. That's a good one. Yeah. So let's do an introduction <laughs> of <laughs> the Thunderdome, bitch, <laughs> of ourselves. I am Justin, and uh, a new voice for the Grit City podcast. Oh, welcome. Mm-hmm. With me is a mouthful of chicken strips, Brogan. Oh, dude, you got Sorry. the pocket, bro. Oh, no. That's amazing. And then the third mm. voice was, of course, Scott. Mm. This is really kind of interesting because oh. we just started the Grit City podcast back from nine months, and Brogan got some uh, ranch on his... I've been challenged to fisticuffs, and I've spoodered honey mustard all over myself. Yeah, he's got honey... Oh, it's honey mustard, so not even ranch. Honey not mustard ranch. from a chicken strip right on his strip. beautiful black Dude, I've shirt. Dude, i shirt for, like, two marriages. <laughs> <laughs> that shirt is quite old. Have a seat. Come on in, man. What is that? Just well whiskey neat? It's that kind of day. <laughs> We're just sitting here, just hanging out, having a couple of drinks. Brogan's eating a ton of chicken. <laughs> you can eat on mic, too. People love that. Don't judge me. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> John, how are you doing, man? <clears throat> Joe. Joe. <laughs> I swear to God, I heard Joe. Are you this is outstanding. I am amazing at this. Who are you people and how'd you get in my house? <laughs> I wouldn't break into your house, sir. You live I've in a seen weird pictures. Spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wouldn't happen. So, Joe, you've been uh, you've been on the Grit City podcast previously with Brogan and what's your name? Scott. Scott. That's right. I'm totally into it right now. So, what was that first experience like, man? I was pretty hungover, so I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> uh, I think we all were really. Hungover yes, you, you were. were definitely. You were. Yeah, Brogan, you were. You were. I was just yeah. thinking we did Deathcore too, right? Or no? No. Uh, Death Star? no, no I think. The, oh no, he was the one. You were done. only one that yeah. day because you you tapped I went out hard on Thursday. You're like I'm done. I'm oh, out. this was a uh, Norwest con. It was. Yeah. It was. It was a Norwest con. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Brogan does really bad uh, on those Thursdays, even though every year we're supposed to be like you. You don't go hard on Thursday. Yeah. You don't go hard on Thursday. I Wait, did it no too, though, man. Oh, everybody goes hard on Thursday. It's <laughs> it's just the saying. It couldn't. Have been a Thursday. It was no West Coast. It was like a Sunday or something, wasn't it? No, we, um, don't, we don't record on that day for sure. It might have been a Saturday. We maybe it was a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. But that's even matter. funnier. Like we always, it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Thursday, you don't want to go hard, but it's the easiest one to do. And then Friday's always just, you struggle, right? Sure. Yeah, right. So, Joe, why were you at NorwestCon? I was at NorwestCon as a panelist and a demonstrator. Um, and I had just written a fantasy novel. Oh, tight. Yeah, big fun, which I guess is kind of why we're here. Exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about the fantasy novel, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I still don't have an elevator pitch for it, really? which makes me crazy because I keep, I keep wanting to... Okay, screw it. Uh, cool. So... So I wrote a fantasy novel. It's called Dragon's Trail. It's the first in a series. The second one's coming out this year. Nice. And I set out to do for Knights in Armor what Tom Clancy did for the nuclear submarine. All right. So it's a portal fantasy, but it's very tech heavy, and it's being called the first fantasy techno thriller. 
Interesting. Now, when you say something like a techno thriller, especially when you incorporate fantasy, yes. are you talking about like the technicalities of like magic spells or like the anatomy of a dragon? Where are you going with that? Actually, the exact opposite of it. What I did is I spent most of my adult life learning, I call it method writing, Okay, learning the mundane aspects of how a fantasy world would go together. Maybe not necessarily a historically accurate world, All right. but it started with fencing and horseback riding um, when I was in high school. And then I went to stunt school, um, which was something I did separately, but my main character is a stuntman. Um, and I mean, I learned... I learned blacksmithing and Italian rapier and went to Europe and visited castles and paced them off. And what I thought I had read all of these fantasy novels when I was a kid and found just these insane errors in the mundane world building. Okay. And I thought that if I was going to, and I still believe this, if you're going to write a fantasy novel for adults and you want to suspend disbelief, enough to enough to to get them to believe in the magical elements you first have to suspend disbelief in the mundane okay so i built a world that functioned completely and it took me about 15 years to to do all of this but um yeah so and then it got turned down i don't even know how many times i have 47 rejection letters nice that i've saved during that time and i was just looking at them again uh and that was over like a four-year period. So there might be hundreds of them. I was told repeatedly that nobody wanted a realistic fantasy, yada, yada, yada. So what had happened, I got to NorWestCon because I had met all of these other insane individuals. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you will, fr- you will from, definitely do that in NorWestCon. Well, from, lear- <laughs> from, from learning how to do yeah, all this exactly, stuff. Exactly, totally. And they were like, hey, you ought to come and you ought to come and do this. And I'm like, okay, yeah, great. So I think I was, if I remember right, I think I was on a panel for like con langing and, uh, did some, uh, did some edge weapon demonstrations and, uh, celestial navigation talked about how to use celestial navigation on an alien planet. Theoretically. I mean, all these things. Yeah. I had a great time with it. And, and the book had just come out and I'd done Norwest con for a few years before that. And I found that the convention goers, particularly in our Westcon, which is seems to be sort of geared toward content creators mm-hmm. who are looking for the practical aspects of how things work. Yeah. I found a, I found a, an interested readership like immediately and funny story. I had my, I think you were there. I had my first author signing yep. right after, uh, oh, yeah, right, a, right after that. that. Yeah. There was a line of people like out, I mean, I walked into the room and I thought that there wasn't going to be anybody at the author signing. I thought it was going to be one of these, you know, Brian Griffin things where I'm surrounded by, you know, uh, uh, you know, yeah, right. stacks of my own book, make a fort out of them or something. I was actually late getting to my signing because I'd stopped to get a burger because I thought I could actually stop and like, you know, have a chance to get some lunch. And I walk into the room and there are all these authors, you know, in the in the ballroom and there's this line of people in front of one empty chair. And I was like, God, that guy, man, whoever that, whoever that guy or girl is that's doing that that's professional goals man and i'm walking across the room and i'm like holy shit that's my book that's yours yeah wow yeah it was nuts um and and so i mean obviously when people are looking at i mean book publishers and stuff like that they're saying no 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 they're looking at uh, a a big picture they are and you managed to kind of grassroots it at that point i did I did. And, and NorwestCon, a lot of things have happened since then, actually. I'm really glad to be here now. Nice. Because um, it, 
was right after that I had a really nice bump um, in sales right after my West Gun. And so you could see the word of mouth um, in the sales. And then we got picked up by a couple of really cool promotional opportunities. And it went on over the course of the summer. Uh, it became a bestseller on Amazon in four countries. Damn, dude. Yeah, it hit the top 100 overall on Amazon, including number one at Epic Fantasy. Um, it has done spectacularly well. And then right when we thought, that was in the early part of the summer, and right when we thought that it was going to kind of taper off, uh, it got picked up by Barnes & Noble, nice. and they there promoted it. And uh, I've been doing author events at Barnes & Noble now, and it went right back up into the Barnes & Noble bestseller list in October. And then that started to kind of tail off, and we are like, oh, that's great. And then it got reviewed in Publishers Weekly back at the end of November, and they gave it a phenomenal review. And so now we're selling print copies, and we've got distributors calling us, and it has suddenly taken off again. So That is um, outstanding. And you really it's been actually, really neat. And like it, you said 15 years worth of world building, doing all of these different and crazy, insane things. Yes. Um, when you were traveling, um, I mean, even just like doing, like going to castles and doing the pacing and stuff. Oh, yeah. Did you, was it just as a tourist, those sort of things? Or did you, is it with like a, a job or anything along those lines? I think, no, I did it primarily just primarily to do it. I mean, okay, okay. world building became this hobby and I found myself really falling in love with these things that I had learned how to do and crazy things that still make my neighbors insane. So, you know, <laughs> axe throwing and archery and, um, and you all just this do stuff. in your backyard? I yeah. do. I do. <laughs> yep. Respect. I took up Mongolian war bow shooting. That's what I'm talking. You see? Gorgeous. Uh, neighbors, <laughs> man, I'm telling you. If I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was doing long sword sparring in the backyard and one of my neighbors called the police. It's like, oh, it's fabulous. Um, how, how do the cops respond to something like that? I mean, is like, He left his ass off. The sheriff, okay, okay. the sheriff is fantastic at where we are so yeah it was, so at it was, this point you've cool. got a pretty good relationship with them so they kind of know that if there's going to be a weird call around that area it might be you roger that yeah there, there, there's, there's there's a fantasy author in the area weird things are going to happen Man, um when i saw him at norris kind of i was checking in um guests and panelists right he came in um suit suit jacket really nice and he's got a full like long sword i don't know if i don't remember it was on his back or he was carrying it and i'm like i have to talk to this guy right, yeah, right. i'm like a full suit and, and he's just carrying this and he's showing everybody i was like oh he's pulling it out it's like oh goes to the full hilt he's telling everybody about it people really were cool. asking so right? yeah <laughs> do you uh have you participated in like a sca or any of those other sort of events then? i was in the sca for about a year okay um could you guys explain sca uh, a lot of people don't society know. for creative anachronism mm -hmm. it's it's essentially the the biggest group of people who go out there and dress up in the medieval garb and they uh, put up mm -hmm. tents and they do archery events okay. and they do all kinds of uh, reenactment stuff, and they yeah, and they study the combat, and they yeah, have a cast system. It's actually it's actually not even a LARP. They do full they do full speed, full contact wars, which is really fun. They just use wooden weapons. That's um, amazing. And I actually joined it originally uh, again as a, as as research, and I learned a lot when I was with the SCA, but it didn't, I didn't learn what I needed to know to make the book go. Okay. So I stepped right. out of it at that point. Well, and you learned so, a lot about making your own mead. I learned a lot. Actually, you know, I learned a lot about the recreationist 
environment, and I put that into the book. Um, oh, you did. So, what they believed, and just how they kind of how they operate, be, as yeah, opposed to what actually was happening. And that doesn't really go very far when you're making more of a technical. Correct, book. correct. But it's what I did, the book opens. The happening. book opens at at a Ren Fair SCA type event, and the main character in the book is a former national champion saber fencer who had been on his way to the Olympics when he accidentally killed somebody in a uh, in a duel when he was drunk. Oh, and so he was banned from competition forever. And now he does stunt work for third rate fantasy films. Nice. <laughs> so, right. So and he bums around at Ren Fairs and what have you. And he's actually there picking up a sword when this happens. Uh, and at the same time, there's a there's a sorcerer from another world who uh, had traveled to Earth and the way that the way that teleportation works in that world is they have to have seen the place first. So the sorcerer had never seen Earth, but he tried to get as close as he possibly could. He envisioned what it would look like and he ended up at a Ren Fair. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So um and that's that's so that's how they meet. So here's this down and out stuntman who gets this kind of gets this this second chance to go and be a hero in this in this other world. And and it's an adult fantasy, not adult, adult, but adult. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. it, it has it has grown up characters in it, and so it has a it has a redemption arc for the protagonist. All the characters are in their twenties or thirties, and it was really fun writing it from that perspective too. Because it's one thing to write about you know coming of age in a world of magic and wonder, mm-hmm. trademark, but so, <laughs> <laughs> but something else entirely to see how somebody our age would respond to actually seeing a flying horse. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like trying to envision that right now. And it's, I mean, it's literally, it's like, holy shit, a flying horse. Mm-hmm. It was literally, I mean, if you, if you think about it recently, uh, in LA, SpaceX launched their, uh, right. launched their rockets. Uh, and all, allegedly. Okay, exactly. Because <laughs> all, Dims was aliens. Exactly. And all of LA was losing their minds uh, because they thought the aliens go off because they didn't know what they saw. And that's the same thing with looking at a, 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 a Pegasus or just a winged horse or anything along those lines. The main character wakes up up uh, in this other world and his first thought is that he's on some kind of reality TV show. Yeah. And he's going around the room looking for looking for pinhole cameras and calling for his agent. You know, or even at this point, it's like prodding at your face. Do I have, you know, a VR equipment on me or there's sort of electronics attached to my. Right. Loads? Right. Yep. And then he then things start to kind of fall in line because he looks outside and there are no jet contrails. And then he notices that the moon has a ring and it just kind of. Yeah. So um, but having to having to write it from the perspective of an adult who doesn't who, who knows that magic is not real that also makes it also made the selling of the mundane parts a lot more difficult and re- it required a lot more again i call it method writing kind of like method acting so when you're looking at the the fantastic and you're still kind of focusing on the mundane it kind of it's a weird juxtaposition on that well and the two go hand in hand really easily um I have. You know, we talked about this. I think in our Westcon. I have. I have fans. Um, I have. <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> I get. I get these emails once in a while um, from a, a, a small but dedicated readership who 
I've been accused of being part of a black ops program that has actually traveled to the world in this book and that that's the only way that I could know all this stuff. There is no way people are sending you that information. <laughs> I have emails. Really? Oh, yeah. I have pictures. I have, I have people who send me pictures of themselves with their swords and their armor and they want to go with me next time. Mm-hmm. I thought I was being trolled for a while. And then yeah, I, did exa- I thought nope, just that was right now. man. Absolutely. No, I, I thought I was being trolled. And it has. But the messages I get are disparate enough and seem sincere enough that if I am being trolled, they're doing a phenomenal job. So keep at it. Hollow um, Earthers, man. Like yeah, it's man. not it's, that much further. Well, jump. and there's oh, another God, piece to this. One of the reasons that I'm late here is that I work. For, I'm an intelligence analyst for the Special Operations Command. So there's a little bit of. I work in a very weird, quiet corner of the U.S. military. Right, where the portals um, are. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Bingo. No, but you got I've, a dude named Teal'c that works for you? It's, it's great. <laughs> me and John, John Hammond. Me, me and John Teeter go way back, you know. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, it's... Where are we going with this? Oh, we were talking about... We're talking about... Yes. You're trying not to get a shot. That's what you're doing right now. Don't get us arrested. For no, that. not at all. I can't. I can <laughs> drop any secret. I can. I know. We don't want to show up. You can't hear us. those black helicopters, <laughs> right? In I can. anybody hears that, we didn't know. Just erase it and let us go. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. But, but yeah, so... But where that... One of these emails that, that came in which is a very long, rambling, sort of Dr. Bronner-esque kind of email that I get from a particular reader. And whenever he emails me, I actually go out and turn up the electric fence a little higher. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Uh, He pointed out that it was the saddle design for the Pegasi that sold him on it. I developed, well... My wife and I developed. We ended up talking to like a veterinarian, and we live next to these stables where they where they train horses to jump and all this stuff. stuff. Yeah, you might get another flat earth. We we designed we designed a saddle that you could actually use on a winged horse that would that would function. And what's the difference? Just the wing placement and stuff like that. Or? Correct. Okay, yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. And center of gravity and what have you. And what they do? Oh, okay. Yeah. What they do is the knights actually kneel on the backs of the horses in kind of an extended yoga sit and then they belt in across their calves and their ankles Wow! so that they're above the wings because you got all this massive muscle coming out there and if you sit forward over it then that throws your trim off and if you sit too far back then you've got the wings hitting you and there's nothing you can do about it the, the wing flaps the, the ends of the wings come up and get in your way and see I so and, and just you explaining it right there um, it makes me realize that's exactly why people who were publishing the books didn't understand why that's important and why the people who are going to read your books understand why that's so important. Because these are the nerdy um, uh, the nerdy arguments that we get into. Yep. They do. Like yep. You, you bet. get into the minutia of that because you want to prove that you're smarter than the other person you're talking to when you're arguing about this stuff. Well, this is my core readership. And I love, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. these people because I'm one of them. I do this. <laughs> well, it's like the new Star Wars film. Everybody's all bent out of shape about all these little bits and pieces that just weren't perfect. Like, yeah. in, if you can... And, and that's part of the thing that, I mean, with a lot of fantasy novels and a lot of fantasy, high fantasy and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, space fantasy that Star Wars is, is that you can explain all of those things that don't quite work with magic or yes. the force. Hand wavium. Exactly. Yes. And you've been able to say, well, no, you don't have to do that with everything. You don't. Exactly. And and again, with a magical component, yes. People will. But what I found is that people will believe in a flying horse if the saddle makes sense. Yeah. 
because then it actually makes sense that you can do these things. Bingo. And it's it's, it's putting that that real-world application into something fantastic. Technical brain painting. Yes. Yeah. It's a a fantasy techno thriller. Yeah. And it just, it hasn't. You didn't shy away from that in the book at all. Like, you you went through, like, and explained, like, oh, they're riding the horses, like, how they were sore, how they fell off. Like, you went through a a lot of that. Well, yeah. 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 That, that, to me, was fantastic. That was one of the best parts, right? And... yeah, and it took a lot of work, and it took a very, very patient editor as well. I had to find had to find the right editor, but I found an editor who had worked on thrillers before, and she wrote she she made the whole thing work. It has a kind of a spy thriller feel to it. And when the main character gets over to this other world, he ends up in this royal order of knights as what's called a writer for them. He's not really a true knight, but he's kind of mm-hmm. you can you can become a writer and join the order if you have have exhibited some kind of merit whether it's skill in combat or you won it in a um, in a tournament or they just thought that you know you were so not really a squire not a knight but a a, a, a knight's man precisely exactly yeah He's exactly a knight's little squad exactly that okay. exactly that and these guys the order that he ends up with they are part of the king's intelligence organization they train knights in castles all around the all around the kingdom and as such they keep an ear to the ground and they're they're these they're these spies and so while he's learning all of this stuff they realize that he's this great swordsman and so he's they send him out to go and, and train people and at the same time he starts to piece this thing together and, oh my god there's a revolution coming um Oh, crap. Here's how they're doing it. Hey, guys, uh, stop me. I know this one. Um, so, yeah. So, so it ends up as a, as a spy thriller, basically. Uh, working, uh, you mentioned yourself you worked as a stuntman. Mm-hmm. How do you get into something like that? Boy, well, like, like, I mean, no, that's an excellent I, question. Because I've known I've known people who have uh, attempted to do so. We, yeah, <laughs> don't even bring that. I'm just I'm just that's saying that we psychopath. know a person who says that they were going to stunt school and doing all of these things. And then sure, in their house for six months while they claim to be in China. Yeah, doing, <laughs> okay, good for them. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, so but I've always been interested in. Yeah, I was. Oh boy, all right. So I was in a band um, back in the late '80s. Yes. Nice. <clears throat> You were in Yes? No, oh. back in the late 80s. Yes. <laughs> Close. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was in a band, and it was one of these hair metal bands. Nice. And yeah, it was great. And we were signed to a major label on a development deal. We made an album that never got released. And when the band got dropped, one of the things that we would do is we would go to the gym and work out. And, you know, because we had like the, the white leather jacket with fringe, and you'd wear no shirt under it and the whole kind of oh, yeah. L.A. thing. So... I had buddies that I worked out with, and one of them was going to stunt school. Okay. And he was like, hey, you want to come and do this? And I was like, yeah, that sounds that sounds fun. And I had nothing else going on. So, yeah, so I cut my hair, and I went to, I think it was the Hollywood Stunt Academy. I'd have to look it up. It was a long time ago. Right, but yeah. started going to stunt school and just taking classes. You just pay, and you go, and you take classes. And then you find people who are doing it, and just one thing after another and I did I mean I did corporate videos and I did one advertisement where I got hit by a car like seven times Jesus um, yeah no shit um, so yeah it was just he was supposed to stop like right in front of me it was for like an like I think it was for like an aspirin commercial or something this was like 30 years ago all the free aspirin you could take after you get hit by yeah a car. right well seriously and, and he's supposed to slam to a halt right in front of me in this uh, in, in this uh, uh, crosswalk and we had to do it like 12 times because he kept fucking bumping into me. So, <laughs> yeah, hardest money I've ever made. So, 
Yeah, so I did that for a bit, and then actually I came up here to work on a movie, and then I ended up meeting a guy because I had studied High Falls. Okay. And I met a guy, a Falls guy up here, and I was I was uh, stand in when I came up here, wasn't going to do anything much, but I came up here, and I met another Falls guy, and we were talking, and he had a team that did high-rise window washing up here in Seattle. Yeah. And he was like, hey, man, if you're cool with heights, I got a job for you. It pays a lot. I'm like, okay. So, yeah. You so actually did high-rise window washing, High-rise window washing, uh, yep. God, that, that shit scares the yeah. crap out of me. Oh, it's fun. Like, I'd, just, do it, I'd do it now. It, it was so fun. It's, it's funny because I work uh, I work in a high-rise building in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and it's just every once in a while, just be, you know, doing whatever at the computer. And I look, mm-hmm. and suddenly there's fucking someone there. Yeah, hello. <laughs> yeah, like... It's it's off putting, but then you just watch what they're doing across the way or anything like that. I can't imagine being able to do that. No way. You know, as long as you're, and I, th- I guess it's like the dude that called the. I think you learn this in Davida building. I think you learn this in school though. Is that once when you trust your protection and when because I mean even if you're on a swing seat, you've got redundant layers yeah. of of protection. And as long as everything is there, it's a great job. If a lot like stunt work, it's a great job if you're OCD. And you like, mm, yeah. and you attention really, really like it. Yeah, attention to detail and repetitiveness. <laughs> yeah. Because frankly, most of stunt work is rehearsing. Yeah. And it's getting everything down to the split second and down to the just the, the, the fraction of an inch. and Until some shithead stops paying attention to that and nudges you. That's the trick. Times. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, it really is. It's, it's, it's. And window washing was was a similar thing. I mean, you've got to know all of your knots, and you got to watch, make sure nobody steps on your lines. So it's all this stuff you do. And as long as everything is safe, then there's really no there's really no actual danger involved. And you kind of get you can kind of get past that part of it. So you have all the layers of safety. And you I mean, do. Just the simple fact that you've made such a technical novel, it makes sense that in every little spot that you would be. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, you even set yourself yes. a little OCD on that end. I'm yep. extremely OCD. I, I think of it as well organized, but yes. Yeah. It, it, and exactly. And it's, it's, it's cool just to be able to uh, see that it is encompassed everything in your life and that, and you're taking, taking pains to pay attention to your environment, whether to be safe or to create the book. Yes. Yeah, very much so. That is awesome. And so the second book, I have the worst. I have the worst writing process I think in the history of fantasy. So um, I can talk a little bit about yeah, that. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have you be selling to a I'm actually not at Norwestcon this what? year. What? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't invite me back. I don't know what's up. No, so yeah, a whole. Together. You're too hot. A whole bunch of the. Yeah, you bunch need to of show the up past, Right. Seriously, just sit on the panels. Games. I could probably walk right into the panels, and Pretty I wouldn't much. do it. Um, <laughs> but actually, I'm doing Radcon and Mizcon, and there's something I think in Atlanta that I'm doing I later this they year. Didn't you back? I wonder why. A whole bunch of the panelists from prior years did not get invited back this time. They they had a new group of people who oh, chose the panelists, well, so yeah, they're doing right, something yeah. fresh. Yeah, and that's well, all fine. That's well, great. Every year, Norwestcon, the way it works, because um, I'm I'm a volunteer now, right? Hey, good for you. So um, every year, the way it works. Uh, they everybody's basically fired, and um, and they redo the whole thing. So, yeah, so you that's don't have cool. The same people every year. No, this is good. good. Actually, Keep not fresh. Yeah, and not getting on at NorwestCon has it made me look outside of here. I'm starting to get out and getting to getting into to conventions elsewhere. So that's actually really good. So you're going to come as a fan, though, right? Come hang out, and drink with us, party. I have to be really judicious with my time off because I'm still on active duty. Uh, in oh, the military. Right. I'm a reservist, but I've been mm-hmm. on orders for a while now, and they're talking about extending us for the next maybe year or two. So I got I need, really need to balance my time off. Um, 
So what he's saying is no, no Scott. Probably <laughs> not. I'm no. pretty sure you can drive down. I'm pretty sure you can make it. We got a spot on the floor in our hotel room. <laughs> yeah. Like, Don't even tempt me. Oh, I'm, I'm tempted. <laughs> hey, here you comes tempted. Yeah, nothing <laughs> to share it with some old Zimas. We've, we've, had, Zima. we've had people sleeping in the most awkward yeah, places. Closets, I bet. under the table. Well, you guys make it. I mean, yeah, that sounds great. We make a life of it. I'm on my it's way. You bet. <laughs> um, it's our version of sixth grade camp every year. Yeah. No, definitely. Where was? I? Oh, talking about the second book. So <laughs> I. No, 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 no worries. Uh, well, it, on track, that was great. Bro. First, perfect. Enough about me. What do you guys think of me? Said, <laughs> I so. think you're great. Well, what? Oh, I have a question. What Shoot. age group do you figure that your book is appropriate for? Like, is there tits and ass in your book? There are tits. It has tits. How many tits? Like I'll a whole bunch all of them. Like <laughs> quite a few tits. I'm, I'm sitting here counting. I got a little twelve year old boy. I would not give it a twelve year old. I'd say probably sixteen or 16? so. You have to at least know what tits are and what they do. Okay. That's I think important. at twelve most do. Yeah, well, but at least yeah, have a, have I'm a vague. Just not trying to corrupt my stepson. That's the thing. He's a he's a reader and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would. I bet he would like it, man. He gets into some some details about um, armors, armor, and yeah, uh, his swords mom's and not worried about him like seeing a boob. Nah. Okay. No, there there are boobs. the The sex scenes are all fade to black. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Going to bed, smoochy, smoochy. Door closes. Yeah, Roger that that thing. Yeah. So something you'd see on Fox, yeah. right? After dark. <laughs> now, book <laughs> two gets a lot darker. Book two is the beginning of the second act, so it gets it's it's there's there are some things in there. It's going to be a lot. It's less technical and a lot more more Game of Thrones, less Harry Potter. <clears throat> yeah, the first one's not particularly Harry Potter either. In fact, funny story. Hmm. The first one. Uh, there's a there's a lampshade with the whole kind of Harry Potter concept of how of a boy from Earth who goes to another world and discovers that he secretly knows magic and that his father was uh, was a king and a sorcerer and he uses his Earth knowledge and his precocious knowledge of magic to win his father's kingdom back. Yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. That guy. When the book starts, the book starts 12 years after that happens, and that guy has become the big bad. Nice. So our hero was sent over there to try and counter this guy because all of his neighboring kingdoms have realized, holy shit, the guy next door is an alien. And they realize that he's like beyond able to comprehend what they're able to comprehend and that's exactly right and there's this overarching thing through the entire series one one of the one of the allegories to the entire series is that um as I, i it talks about the disconnect that occurs when a leadership has a disparate and alien intellectual history from the people that they're responsible for. Mm -hmm. So in the first book kind of touches on it with meta ethical, moral relativism, the whole idea, you know, the, the, say that word again, meta ethical, moral relativism. I'm going to get that tattooed (laughs) on my neck. (laughs) Nature versus nurture, slippery slopes, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. There's no, that there is no, there are no moral absolutes. And in fact, the, the hero and the, and the evil, evil wizard end up talking over drinks at one point, and this is actually their big showdown, spoiler alert, but their big showdown is the two of them talking over drinks and talking philosophy. And and I set it up as a verbal as a verbal duel. You can actually see like a sword fighting match going on as they're arguing. Nice. But they're talking about the idea that the hero is in this world where they didn't have they didn't have Hammurabi. They didn't have um you know, they didn't have Plato. They didn't have 
can't. They don't have any of these ideas that we take for granted because they're part of our intellectual history. So what mm-hmm. they consider right and wrong is completely different from what we consider right and wrong. And the evil wizard, he's he's figured this out. Yeah. He's like, hey, man, this is how they roll here. And if you start coming in here with your ideas of, you know, we hold these ideas to be self-evident. Yeah, a Ten Commandment kind precisely. of. Precisely. Yeah. If you do that, you're going to piss There's a whole no bunch of. constitution there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you do that, what you're going to. What do gonna, you mean? You're going to tax my booze. Well, <laughs> and not only that, but the, but our ideas of individual justice. And he looks at this as an artifice. He's like, look, the laws are laid down by whoever's in charge to keep things running. You know, this is this is how things are done here. It's like, you know, your idea of trying to put some kind of concept of individual justice on everybody in this in this world is just going to piss people off and probably get. Yeah, it's going to get you killed. So it. um, Yeah. So it deals with that as well. And we see more of this again in the second book. And it kind of goes in there. But yeah, second book's less technical and a little darker. It's interesting to look at that because I think. a lot of the times, and I think modern uh, modern storytelling really has this issue a lot of the times, is that you have, um, and not all heroes are, you know, the Mary Sue types, like the uh, above and beyond, great for great sake, um, but... Uh, a lot of the times, a lot of these things have the issue of not being able to have a compelling villain who is correct in their own right. And who's to say that they are not the right side and that the protagonist that we're following uh, is following the wrong trail? Yeah, this book was a, the, the first book was originally the story of that wizard. And it was only when I introduced this violent, drunken. <laughs> wisecracking murderous smart ass that I realized that he was actually the hero and the story was about his redemption not yeah. about this guy again coming of age in a world of magic and wonder yeah and but because of that the the yeah the 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 enemy ended up really really well developed and he's not doing anything that that any of us wouldn't do if we were in the same position yeah um, well, it, it, it's, he's just being pragmatic. And you're able to, I mean, anybody, at, I think here and people listening would realize, yeah, if you are, you know, the loopholes to be able to an exploited system, you're going to take those, especially when you realize that you can kind of hand wave everything away when someone sees you and you're like, oh, no, I know how this works. I'm from elsewhere and this is where it works there. You can kind of just be like, well, I'm going to apply the things that I know. To gain this benefit. Yes. And he's and he's he's really careful about how he does that. And he's very specific about how he does it. And there's a there's a line in the first book where the the wizards when they're talking and the wizard tells him, look, I became king, not president. Mm -hmm. And in the second book that the hero is looking back on this and he's like, you know, this is being a dictator must be pretty cool until the last couple of hours. Yeah. And <laughs> think about it, though, like that. I mean, because if you have if you have a, a, a hierarchy such as that and you're on top, you control everything. He does everything. And yeah. It's why, this whole thing. Why wouldn't you want that? Everyone wants to be head of household and all these things. And I mean, you know, there's the benevolence out there of, oh, let's take care of all these people. His people love him. His people think that he's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And and OK, great. More power to him. But. 
it's one of my one of my favorite things about uh, 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 some of the the good storytelling, and a lot of it would be like um, uh, Edgar Wright did the uh, the the Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. End of the World, and at the end of the world, you're watching this thing, and it's kind of ambiguous because you know spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it. Um, they are take tail taking and telling this alien race who's basically trying to Starbucks the entire country or the world and making it kind of homogenized but safe for everyone and they're telling them to piss off we don't want your technology but how many people out there are like no I'm cool with all of this great things that make my life super simple why should I worry about being quote unquote free when at the end of it the world has gone to crap and now there's no you know there's no global communication there's no uh, you know we don't know what's going on anywhere and there's no electricity there's none of these things that we had our lives be great why would I want to take that away well it's an extension of, of the whole thing from hot fuzz too where you've got where you you've got you have the the, the community council i figure what they call them right the, oh the, yeah 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 right but for it's all for good. the greater good yeah, yeah, exactly greater this good. yeah the greater good they're doing this thing for the greater good and the people in the town have no idea that it's going on yeah they don't want to oh, know this that. is the end that's the movie yeah this yeah is the end. Oh, no 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 uh, 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 the the world's end the world this is the world yeah at the world's end hot fuzz is the second yeah is the second movie in the it's the second movie in the in the trilogy yeah so and then yeah and then you are thinking of the the world's end which was the seth rogan one where channing tatum's dressed up as a dumb one where they all come back to town and they want yeah 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 and that's they, that's want to have that one last night yeah out. that's like the world do the, the do the 13 bars yeah mm-hmm. yeah damn okay. admirable human beings <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have a compelling villain that can show you that you know what maybe the hero isn't on the right track no and our, our hero certainly is not um <laughs> and this harkens back to my own again method writing but my career in the military i've spent half of my time getting chewed out and the other half <laughs> getting high-fived and often for the same thing by different people yeah and i literally had a thing a couple of years ago where i got i got I mean, I, I got my ass reamed like you cannot believe in front of a whole bunch of people by all of these officers for doing a thing. And four hours later, their boss gave me a medal for it. <laughs> and I had to... I had to <laughs> you just look at me like, I mean... I was trying really hard to not smirk because I'd end right. up... I'd be breaking rocks at Leavenworth right now, <laughs> but I'm up there I'm up there getting this medal. Yeah, and they're standing right there and they're just... You can just see them just ready to explode. Yeah. I'm just like, watch this. That's okay. I'll be here. I had to really be very careful and not smile, not anything. I've got a picture of it, and I'm standing there just... Poker face. Having traveled so much, uh, both for uh, for military and for personal reasons, um, do you have a favorite place that you've gone to? Oh, God. No. That you can talk about? (laughs) Really? You know, really no. Okay, Um, okay. No, I haven't ever actually gone any place in the military that I've liked. Okay. When you said you went Sorry. and traveled to check out uh, castles, where did you go? Mostly the Loire Valley. I don't know. Where yeah, where's that at? Uh, it's in France. Okay. So, um, the only reason I ask is because I just went to Spain and saw the Alhambra. Oh, fabulous. And that is a building that, it, first off, I'm very curious as to how they took it to begin with. But once they took it, they knew how to keep it. There's that is a lot a of that. Scary looking building. Oh, yeah. Well, we were just, my wife and I just traveled to Sweden and Denmark uh, and Iceland were really fun. Um, Iceland is an amazing place. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But uh, we were in Denmark and we were at Kronborg, which is the castle where Shakespeare 
uh, placed Hamlet. Okay. Um, which is just an amazing castle. So, yeah, we saw some really neat places recently in, in Scandinavia. Um, and they have a completely different take on castles, too. They, they look at them totally differently. How just, so? Well, the way that the concentric defenses are laid out in... I'm gonna get. I don't want to. I don't even want to go no, down do this. It, do oh, it. Oh god! I just took the whole tour at the Alhambra. <laughs> I am ready to be excited about fortification of castles. Okay. <laughs> All right. The Swedes appear to have been smarter about this than than some of the early Europeans. Okay. And I'm not sure. I would have to assess that they learned they basically did a series of lessons learned after they sacked and beat the shit out of a bunch of European castles okay okay because the way that they have things set up you go to Kronborg and the defenses the concentric defenses are set up not solely as a way to attrit incoming troops but they force you into a series of worsening decision points Oh, so it's it's effectively game theory is what we call it in intelligence now. Mm -hmm. And you keep forcing your opponent into a series of decisions that are worse and worse and worse. And finally, when you finally get to the keep in Kronborg, when you finally get all the way through there, there is only one possible option. Okay, And once you know what your opponent is going to do then you're ready for them. There is yeah. only one way in. And once you get there, again, you have to keep... And at every single point, it's just two bad decisions. <laughs> it's just maybe three. It's just, oh my God, this sucks. Whatever you do is terrible. You have to pick the best of all these bad ones. And so it, and it seems obvious to us now, but the way that they laid out, especially Kronborg, the way that they laid it out where you have to go with the obvious decision, which still sucks, you know what your opponent's going to do every step of the way, and so you're ready for them. Nice. Okay, okay. It's, it's neat. It's a really, really neat game. Whoever thought of that just was, I mean, holy crap. It was also built a lot later, too. So, um, Well, and with the Alhambra, that's that was the thing that, when, as soon as you said that, it did tickled my memory from a couple of months ago yeah the uh so they built the the castles they built the walls on a hill so when they put the the different uh turrets turret parapets mm-hmm. whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the corners of the fortification where you would enter right. they would put them barbicans yeah. yeah they would put them in on slanted stairs going up absolutely around the square and then at the top it was just a straight across line so they could put dudes up there with spears and then after that since they built it on a wall there's a little moat and a bridge and if you got past that bridge they could chop that bridge and then you're just standing in a parapet you can't get across them can't, can't get, get across. across yep and then they've yeah, got you in a like, crossfire that's the smartest and, you know, damn thing i've ever God, seen that's amazing just and kronborg is laid out with that just it has a lot of those things it's just you have but there are decision points mm-hmm. well hell we can go left and go right we go left oh crap we go right oh crap <laughs> and it's it's fabulous it's really neat it, the whole thing is laid out as this kind of giant sort of you know can I say mind fuck? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can say mind fuck. All right. It's, it's, it's laid out as a giant mind fuck. So, yeah. What do you think you're the, uh, maybe not even a favorite thing, but like the, 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 the first thing that comes to mind when um, that made you decide that you wanted to get this technical uh, in a book? Oh, that's easy. I was 15 or 16, and I want to say I was reading a Dragonlance book but right, I don't yeah. don't hold me to that because I was reading a bunch of stuff at the same time but I was reading a fantasy novel and in it the 
the plucky adventurers are mm-hmm. all sitting around a fire at night. And one of the adventurers sees somebody, so the writer says, that one of the adventurers sees somebody approaching from the other side of the fire. Which is not going to be really that easy to do. It's impossible. You can't see from a you can't see from a lit area into a dark one. The human eye is not set up that way. I didn't know the specifics about the human eye at that point, but I'd done enough camping as a kid to know that you can't see through a fire. So your bullshit monitor just kind of goes off the back of your head, and you're just like. "Mm -hmm." And then I started, and I went actually went to the library and talked to the research librarian, and was like, "How is this? Is this is this a thing?" And she was like, oh, no, no, that has to do with the way the human eye is set up with rods and cones. And it turns out that, like, dogs can do this, but we can't. Okay. Which is crazy, because it's how your dog can see out of your, when your dog is looking out of your, uh, like, out of your living room at night when it's lit up and you can't see anything through the reflection. The dog can see. Yeah, Yeah, dog can do that. We can't. So, uh, and then I started thinking, well, God, how much more of this is crap? Uh, yeah, see, your reality was broken a little bit. We Bingo. And it just, yep. Uh-oh. And then at about the same time <laughs> that I started. in the middle of the earth. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, start as, as soon as I started looking into this and realizing how much of this stuff was, the mundane things were wrong. About the same time, I started getting into started getting into Tom Clancy and Michael Crichton and all these really intense mm-hmm. technical writers, um, technical thriller writers. And I was just like, oh, my God, why doesn't anybody write a fantasy novel like this? And I waited for somebody to do it. And I started doing the research. And I was like, oh, man, somebody's going to beat me to this. <laughs> I'm like, somebody's going to beat me to this. And 15 years later, no nobody's done, done it. <laughs> and I've got all these, all, these, all these major publishers saying, you know, hey, there's no market for this. There's no reason to do this. You know, and, you don't have to do this. And it's... In fact, my first editor, first editor I hired wanted me to rewrite my entire novel with a teenage protagonist, do it all as a young adult book, take out all the technical stuff, you know, give him a magical sword that that uh, that will allow him to know all these things about fencing and all this stuff. And nobody's because nobody's going to want to read the book the way that it's the way that it's written. And then you're and just like, there's a billion books out there like that. There are. There are. Yep. And I'm sitting on a bestseller right now. So. That's yeah, insane. So there. Yeah. Um, so as you should be, man. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. I yeah, appreciate absolutely. that. Thank it was a great you. Book. It was really fun. Uh, as um, we're wrapping this up, Joe, I, yeah. uh, I definitely want to, um, again, uh, let everyone know the name of the book. Oh, I should probably mention that. huh? <laughs> 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 it's a little thing. We did it at the very beginning. Uh, we did. I think so. But uh, repeat as well, because we want everyone to know. And you can get it where I mean, obviously, you said Barnes and Noble, where books are sold. I'm imagining Amazon and such. You can actually get it almost any place. You can order it through your independent bookstore. Nice. Um, it's on the shelves, I believe, locally at Barnes & Noble. If it's not, they can get it. Um, but, yeah, it's available at Amazon. Every major online distributor has it now. Uh, the book I is need co- some at Wizards Keep Games. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, you have a gaming? I have a game store. He does have a game store. we we, we got to talk, actually. Cause Come I, on down. I, okay. Yeah, anytime. I've been renting. Yeah, oh, I Wizards know. Wizards Keep Games at yeah. 17148, 116th Avenue South. Making Renton, notes. Washington. Plug. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Next, no, next plug is good. The post office behind the R bar. Come out, check it out for all of your D&D needs, magic have cards, a, all kinds of things. You have a gaming shop next to a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I share a wall with them. I'm trying really hard to get them to poke a hole. I would have a hole right in the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah we need yeah. at least a serving wall. Damn right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got uh, a beer fridge. So the name of the book? The book is called Dragon's Trail. Dragon's Trail. And my name is Joseph Malik. You can reach me at josephmalik.com, J-O-S-E-P-H-M-A-L-I-K, M-O-U-S-E, um, <laughs> dot com. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at jmalikauthor. Awesome, man. And... 
yeah, that's, that's it's, about it. It's so. been a hoot. I'm super glad that you've been able to come back to the Grit City Podcast. I'm so glad to be here, man. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. Thanks this is awesome. Back. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me back. <laughs> uh, all right. Bam. Anything yeah. else? No, no, I think we're good. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks a lot, everybody. You've been listening to the Grit City Podcast. Check them out at gritcitypodcast.com. Yeah.